Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. RJ, before we dig into all the great stuff the Kraken have been up to this week and any future questions we have about them, uh, I have one question for you. How much money would it take to get you to stand up on top of a moving Zamboni, a la what Macklemore was considering trying to do <laughs> while shooting his music video during the first intermission of one of the Kraken games this past week? Oh, considering the potential downsides of that, I mean, that, that could get pretty ugly if you slip off the top. As I think Macklemore realized, as he got one foot up there and he's just like, I don't think I'm going to do this. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. I mean, talking money, are we are we talking in terms of because we also got uh, the other, you know, one of the other minority owners of the crack and Marshawn Lynch in here uh, introducing uh, Lenny Wilkins as the, the yep. um, you know, the, the hero of the game. But he said, you know, he donating 32 bandages <laughs> to his charity. So how many bandages would it take? I'd probably need a lot of bandages yes. uh, if I decided to hop up there. So I don't know, maybe 32 bandages. We'll, we'll call it that. Okay, there we go. I was going to say, I think I could do it as long as I could start off on the top before the Zamboni got going. Like mm. if I could, like if I could lay down, then it's just like, all right, you're like standing up on, you know, the top of a car. Like we've all done that before, right? Like it's not so bad once you're already up there. It's the getting up there while it's moving that becomes difficult. I think that's where Macklemore right. went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so just said standing up there from the start because he started off in the little seat like they have yeah. you out, you know, when you're just riding the Zamboni, and he kind of worked his way up. He moved like one step higher. You know, you got to start at the top and then just keep moving lower, even though I guess that. <laughs> It doesn't have the same effect for the music video. Yeah, you know, it's it's just one of those things. You pretend you're just on like a rickety old roof and, and you just go with it, I guess. Um, all right, <laughs> here we go. It's still just one of the things that was, that was funny to me about this past week that you're just like, oh, I, this is going on. <laughs> yeah, that's what, the that's things what you, you don't think you're going to see it at, when you go to a hockey game. But hey, you know, surprises all the time. It's one of the things that makes the Seattle Kraken so much better than the other 31 teams around the league. None of them are having stuff like this happen during during games before games. You know what I mean? Like oh, only us. Um, all right. I absolutely love it, RJ. Lots of great stuff to talk about uh, with the Kraken this week. Get to talk about their performance these last couple games since they've been back in Seattle. Obviously, that's looked pretty fantastic for them. Uh, we do, we're do. we going to be looking ahead to the playoffs a little bit later on. We're going to start looking at you know maybe how they've been performing against playoff teams so we can start judging maybe where the Kraken are at as far as everything is concerned. Maybe we'll talk about uh, some other stuff and then, you know, obviously – Pick, picking up all the stuff from the games, talk about Gru, Maddie, all that good stuff. But I think we got to start with the dad's trip stories, RJ, because that's the other fun thing that's been happening around the crack in this past week. It's having all the dads and mentors in town and getting to hear, uh, you know, hopefully some funny stories about everybody. Yes, it has been such a treat to have the, the dads and mentors around. Uh, you can tell the players are, are all feeling great uh, having them around and getting to know, you know, the other dads. A lot of players, too. This is their first dad's trip. Uh, we've mm -hmm. talked to a number of them where they haven't experienced this before. Uh, so it's really great for them. I know they were originally planning to maybe do something like this last season. But of course, you know, with with COVID, it just wasn't really possible. It wasn't a reality, uh, given the, the time that, that that all happened. So 
um, it's just great for everyone. And, and also just this is as as loose, as jovial as I've seen the locker room at any point this season. So it's it's a treat, uh, you know, not just for the players, but of course, for us, uh, the media and, you know, and for the fans also. I mean, it's been it's been a pleasure to kind of share some of those uh, those sound bites with you and share some of those quotes. Um, but thankfully, in podcast form, I can go a little bit deeper uh, than what I had the chance to do just over Twitter, um, you know, the last few days. I mean, I'll start with probably the best comment, this one coming from from Darren Eberly. And this one I did tweet out, but uh, he was asked, is there anything about Jordan that, you know, maybe we don't know that you could share? And he said, oh, you might not know that he thinks he's a good guitar player, but the worst part about it is he's learning to sing, uh, which, man, that's, uh, you know, it's insult there. But uh, Double whammy, said, too. Like, I insults both of them, the guitar playing and the singing. Yeah, well, well, Darren Eberly did say that he plays guitar and, and definitely asserted that he's the better guitar player in the family. Okay. Um, so I guess Jordan's got a ways to go. Uh, but it, good to know that about Jordan Eberly. And there are a lot of cracking with some musical talent, too. I mean, you could get a really good, heck, singing, you know, get a good karaoke night going. Um, you could even have a little cracking band, I think. Yeah, that would be something right i mean i think we all need to band together and try to make that happen just everybody will start a, a like a change.org petition or something see what we can do <laughs> try to get just just one youtube video out just like an overproduced mess of a music video all of macklemore on top of a zamboni and we'll, <laughs> no, i'm just kidding and uh we'll see what we can do with that because i think that would be fantastic yeah, definitely. And hey, you know what? They, the Kraken are about to go to San Jose. I, I keep thinking of my memories, you know, growing up as a Sharks fan. And one of the best things they ever did was uh, these holiday videos that they would do every year. They had yep. just priceless holiday videos. I think the most famous of which would be Holiday Sweater, uh, which was a song. They did yep. a little music video for it. I don't know. Maybe next time the holidays roll around, yeah. you utilize their musical talents. Just, right. just something to think about. Definitely, for sure. Who else do we get to hear from? All right. So we also uh, got to hear from Maddie Beneers uh, and his dad, Bob. So that was really cool. And I, I like this. Jordan Eberly said, uh, you know, you can usually pick out whose dad is who. And there's little things that you can gather, mm -hmm. you know, before before you're even introduced as, oh, this is this guy's dad. Um, and um, yeah, M Maddie said that. Um, I guess he he and Eberly kind of correctly guessed each other's dads. Uh, and you know, he was asked, is there anyone else that you just know? Like, OK, yeah, that's his dad. He said also uh, Bjorky. So he said Bjorky looks okay. a lot like his dad. So uh, all, Mr. Bjorkstrand, I guess, looks a lot like Oliver. I didn't get a chance to see him, I guess, um, today. I was looking around for the different dads. For my money, like the one that looks most like his son, I think, is Mr. McCann. Okay. Like he looks, he's got that Jared McCann face. I just, the, the resemblance is pretty clear. Awesome. That is, yeah. I, I can't wait to see like the, um, the big picture that they all took today out on the ice together where they paired up with their, with their dad. So like, we'll be able to look at them all. No, out. they had the players in front and the dads in the back. So they weren't paired up at all. Ah, that's okay um, so that's though, because then it just becomes yeah. one of those like activity book matching games where you have to draw the line from, you know what I mean? Yes. No, I mean, it's a, it's a fun exercise. I don't know how much of the jerseys are showing because the dads, I think, were each given a, a, a jersey for their you know, yeah. corresponding player. They had the player and the number on the back. Um, so that was really helpful, too, for us just to yeah. know who is who, uh, you know, as they're walking around. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, 
And then uh, finally, we got to talk uh, to uh, Morgan and Craig Geeky. So his, his dad, Craig. And um, I mean, this one lasted maybe you know twice, three times as long as the other media availabilities. We had a lot of fun mm -hmm. uh, chatting with those two. Um, and uh, just some, some fun tidbits there. I mean, there's the stuff that I tweeted out about, um, you know, that, uh, you know, Craig saying that Morgan's probably a little bit better in COD than he is in Mario Kart. Or sorry, Mario, Mario Kart, Kart yes. Yep. But then, and, and then, of course, Morgan interjecting. I think that's saying how good I am at COD. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was interesting to learn because... Um, Actually, I, I found out and I actually stayed a little bit afterward just to, to chat with Craig and Morgan about that. Um, they the geeky family like the men, they play Call of Duty together pretty regularly, um, you know, with a lot of the cross platform stuff and, you know, being able to play a lot easier online. Um, it's something that they do pretty regularly just to stay in touch. And, you know, they're all kind of at different places, you know, with, right. uh, you know, Connor, uh, you know, playing in juniors and, and Morgan in Seattle. And, and uh, you know, of course, you know, mom and dad back home and Noah, you know, playing baseball. Um, it's it's hard to kind of, you know, get together and, and stay in contact. But that's an important way that they do it. Yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic thing. Like it, video games has always been one of those things that I've thought can is perfect for that online gaming together. Uh, not the first sports family where I've heard that kind of being the story. Uh, I think the the very first one that I really remember kind of blowing up was actually Rick Fox, a basketball player back in the day. He he was traded cross country and to stay connected with his younger son. Uh, they played World of Warcraft back in the like going back in the day here. Uh, but they played World of Warcraft together for that same exact reason. And so it's really nice to hear that, you know, despite everything, they're kind of able to still be able to have fun and play play and hang out together. I, I really like hearing that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's great. And I, I asked them too. you know, who's the uh, who's the most competitive at Call of Duty? Because I know <laughs> you, we both know things yeah. get a little heated there. And I think they both agreed it was Connor Geeky. Oh, interesting. OK. Yeah. So interesting tidbit for any. Um, was it? Was it Arizona he got drafted by? Yes, Coyotes. Yeah, like any any Coyotes fans, you know, that or anyone interested there that may be listening. Yeah, Connor Geeky, I guess, is the most competitive of them. Um, I mean, hey, he was also the highest draft pick, so you know, oh. maybe there's something to that. Oh, just gonna casually drop that against Morgan I'm there. Just, <laughs> just say it's facts. It's just facts. That's all I'm stating. It's yeah. just facts. Um, you know what? That that works as a as kind of a nice segue. Was that everything from the from the dad? I, I got a few more things. If all you, right, if yeah, you yeah, don't let's mind, do keep yeah. going. Um, so I, I also asked, I had to ask, cause we, they were talking about like, how were the car rides home and everything, right. you know, after games growing up. Um, and, uh, I, uh, Morgan said that, uh, you know, well, it depends how the game went, you know, there, there were a couple ultimatums in there, but it's all well worth it. I know. And then Piper's like ultimatum. <laughs> yes. What's that mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it was interesting hearing, you know, about, cause in just about all these cases, the the players' dads were their coach for, you know, long stretches of time as a kid. And just mm -hmm. hearing the different, you know, the differences in kind of how you would approach that. Because when you have a, a kid who's just so gifted, so talented, but also you want to make sure that they're putting in the work, you know, it, it, it it's creates some different, you know, dynamics and everything. And um, I thought it was interesting that, that Craig Geeky was talking about, you know, about when Morgan was, you know, 10 or so, you know, he had to kind of lay off a little bit and, and, you know, and, and kind of pick your battles as far as, you know, being that, that tough love hockey parent. And he said, I realized around when he was 10, like, if I didn't do that, otherwise we were going to lose him as a hockey player. 
and um, you know, just kind of bringing that love of the game back in and, and realizing, you know, putting things in perspective that this is about still having fun. And I think that's something that, that Morgan talked about as being really important. And, um, and of course, uh, you know, Morgan geeky, uh, you know, and, and his wife, they're going to have a baby soon. And so he's asked about like, what, you know, lessons and bits of wisdom do you take from your dad that you're going to, you know, pass on to, to being a father yourself? Um, and I thought he had a really good answer there. I mean, he started off with, you know, some, some tough love here and there, you know, but, but lots of fun. Um, and he started, I said, I would say, just kind of let the kids just do whatever they want. But sorry, no, that's not the way to say that. <laughs> what he meant was that, you know, let them pursue their passions and, right. you know, don't kind of try and pigeonhole them into a certain thing that you want them to do. And that that's why he feels like he was ultimately able to be such a well-rounded person too. Cause we know, you know, that Morgan Geeky, he's got lots of different interests, even outside of hockey, yeah. um, you know, music and video games and all pizza this stuff. He's a very yeah. well-rounded pizza. He's a very well-rounded person. <laughs> yeah. um, and he said that he thinks that that really helped that, um, you know, that his dad always took, took a shine to his interests, whatever it was, it wasn't mm -hmm. just the sport, you know, that you try and push him into. And that's something he's going to try and, and do for, for his child, you know, be there for when you need them, but kind of help them grow on their own and, and be their own person. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a lot of what really our parents did too, right? But us through yes. like the, the homeschooling parts of our journeys and everything and, and how we ended up here doing this, uh, is very much fueled from that. So yeah, I, I, I can, I can say I, I give that my stamp of approval for what that's worth. Sure. You, yeah. You, you don't end up, you know, doing anything like that without, you know, this love and support from your parents. So, yeah. um, and then one more thing you mentioned Pizza Hut. I had to ask, like, was that like a reward for like, where did that start? Yeah. Was that like a reward for good games on road trips back? Like, you know, where did that originate? And, uh, and Craig said that actually he's like, I, I had no idea about that. That was like completely after he left the house. That was totally off the cuff. It just like surprised me when that whole thing came up. So no, it wasn't back to his childhood. This was, right. uh, you know, Morgan Geeky being his own man as an adult, yep. you know, finding Pizza Hut and, and loving Pizza Hut. So I, I kind of, I was gonna say got to the bottom of that, but I, I still don't know exactly how that started, but it was definitely after uh, he had moved out. His dad didn't know. All right. Well, that still gives us a nice like uh, kind of range. Now we can try to pin down when this fascination and love affair with Pizza Hut began for Morgan Geeky. You know, every year we'll just get like one more tidbit that we can just kind of slowly start narrowing this down. And maybe maybe 10 seasons from now, we'll have the complete picture. and We can look back on it. Um <laughs> Some really good stuff there. Uh, I liked all the stuff that we got to see, you know, even just like from what the Kraken were putting out on social media, uh, what you or the other um, reporters around the team were putting out on social media. Loved seeing Grubauer's dad kind of give the little bit of the speech after after the game last night. That I thought that was really fun right before Grubauer was given the, the Davy Jones hat. Uh, I, I just think this whole week, this whole um, idea and weekend has just been really, really cool. For sure. Uh, just, I just, I'd love to see this. And I know uh, they've got to be planning some kind of mom's trip as well. I know that's mm -hmm. something that, you know, that, that people are interested in. And uh, it's funny, uh, you know, Bob Beniers was asked about like, they have a really tight knit family. And so like, are the yeah. others jealous that you get to go do this and they don't? And he said, Oh, absolutely. Like my wife is already emailing everybody asking when the mother's event is. <laughs> yes. And that, uh, that Maddie's sister, even, you know, she uh, was, is with the, you know, she had the Bruins trip, mm -hmm. um, you know, for where she's playing. It's a sibling strip. And so she's asking where's the sibling strip going to happen. Yeah. It's definitely something that uh, the other family's members want to make happen. 
Yep, yep, definitely, and I, I think we all want to see that too. It was really cool, even just during the game, seeing seeing them cut to the to the box with all of the all of them up there in it wearing the jerseys. So you could start, you know, anytime they zoomed in on them, like celebrating after a goal, you could start matching them up and stuff. It was a lot of fun for everybody uh, watching that Red Wings game. We talked a lot about the uh, the Geeky family, and we'll go ahead and use that as a segue to go into talking about these games from this past week, RJ, because Kraken started off this past week since our last episode uh, playing in Winnipeg to finish off that road trip that they had, that post-All-Star break road trip, and uh, the whole Geeky family was there, including Connor, who plays for the Winnipeg Ice in the WHL. Uh, got to see him there. I'm wondering if it just has to do with length of hair in the family, maybe the competitiveness or just being a higher draft pick connor's got the longest hair maybe that's just how it works what do you think yeah possibly i know i connor's definitely been been blessed in the hair department uh, more than the others in the family there um so maybe that does have something to do with it um but yeah i mean it was cool to see the whole geeky family there for that game in winnipeg and then you know of course uh you know craig getting to come down for the the dad's trip um but yeah i, I you can tell Morgan was playing really hard, you know, in that game, definitely wanting, wanting to play well. He got a great assist, yep. uh, you know, on John Hayden's goals. So, I mean, it, it's, it really is this motivating factor. And I mean, you know, it shouldn't be surprising, right? I think, yeah. you know, any one of us in, in whatever it is that we do, you know, we have a parrot there coming to support you, you, you want to do your best. Um, and yeah, unfortunately the Kraken not able to get the win out of that game, but you know, it's a shootout. I mean, we can talk about those difficulties, but hey, it is the skills competition at the end of the day. Yeah, the bottom line is, you know, coming off of last week when we were kicking off the deep dive, wondering is this like the worst week we've had all season long? Uh, bottom line is since then, Kraken gone 2-0-1, right? They've, they've picked up five of a possible six points. And yes, it includes that shootout. We can get to that, uh, the shootout discussion maybe in a moment. We can kind of bring that back up afterwards. Um, but I feel like just looking at the week as a whole, um, just two two things really stood out to me that I want to talk about before we kind of go game by game. The first one is Philip Grubauer. You know, we had talked about him. It seemed like he was starting to kind of reclaim that starting role. Uh, very much looked that way throughout the course of this week, and he's just kept it rolling. Philip Grubauer has been solid and consistent and really spectacular game in, game out now for a whole week. I was going to say beyond solid, I think spectacular, certainly at times he's been. Um, and, if, you know, if you look from the start of the new year, he's been one of the best goalies in the NHL. Uh, and he's just kept that going. You, you get the sense that he's just playing on his game. There's nothing that can rattle him at this point. Uh, and he is clearly the Kraken's best goalie right now. And I think the coaching staff absolutely realizes that. I mean, you have right. four straight starts for Grubauer now. I mean, he hadn't had three straight starts at any point uh before the season i mean he just had had you know sorry he had the th the th yeah three one yeah. two three yeah it's, yeah so <laughs> this is an unprecedented run for him this season uh and he's really taken over you know as the team's starting goalie yeah and as he should um we've finally got a cracking goaltender 900 save percentage like that's awesome you can see it when you look at his win-loss record i mean he's almost back up to 500 eight nine and three uh, so far, I mean, that's starting to look way healthier than it was there for a little while. Uh, the goal support starting to come in for him. Like, it's not only has he been playing really well and keeping the Kraken in some close games, but also he's now starting to get some goal support. Things are starting to normalize a little.
little um, based on, you know, versus what they were, were and had been through so much of this season. And I'm just so happy for him, so happy for the club. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, goaltenders, they all go on on hot and cold streaks. That's just the nature of the position, whether it's because of burnout issues or whatever it is. Uh, that is just natural. And I'm not saying Grubauer is anywhere close to, to kind of coming off this hot streak, but it's going to be interesting to me now, having seen Hackstall go ahead and make that shift, ride the hot hand with Grubauer now after kind of doing a similar situation with Martin Jones, if maybe he's quicker to make the switch next time after he maybe wasn't totally that fast on making the switch this time from Martin Jones to Grubauer. It'll be interesting to see if maybe Hackstall learns that lesson of kind of like what to recognize or what to see with these two players particularly because it's it's different for all goaltenders so as a coach you got to learn that I am interested to see if you know two three weeks from now Grubauer starts cooling off a little bit Jones comes in and looks good in a game if we see like a, a a big full switch at that point or if we see something kind of slow develop like we did here Right. And it, it's hard to say what we're going to see. And it, it's tough because Dave Haxtell, he has a season of experience coaching Philip Grubauer, but not Martin Jones. And yep. so maybe identifying some of those signs of burnout uh, is a little bit more difficult when you haven't had the chance to do it before. Uh, but I do wonder, you know, where they're where they're going to end up kind of settling here, because basically it was just ride Jones as much as you can. And then, mm -hmm. you know, ride now ride Grubauer as much as you can. So I think ideally you'd probably want to settle into a balance where you're having maybe, you know, two games, one guy, one game, another two games, one guy, one game, yeah. another, you know, so on and so forth as you have the, the back to backs and everything. Um, you don't want to have, you know, six games of one guy, one game of the other, you know, and then six games of the other guy. You just don't want that. Um, so eventually they're going to have to settle into more of a rhythm, but that's going to require, I think, Martin Jones to look a little steadier in net than he has been recently. Yeah, yeah. And we'll see when that when he has the opportunity to do that, too. Right. Because that, that becomes something uh, I, I I'm with you that traditionally, certainly during a regular season, you want more of that kind of, you know, two and one kind of split. Maybe throughout a week, you get two performances from what from your starter, one from the backup. Um, but whenever you're dealing with a coach who's got to deal with this situation where it's just kind of riding the hot hands netminder wise and the Kraken are looking like a potential playoff team or at like a playoff team. And we'll talk about that more later on. Um, I mean, do you still want to do that? Obviously you want to manage burnout. You don't want to start the playoffs with somebody who's played like their last 12 games. And now they've got to go into a playoff series and try to deal with that situation. But at some point, do you think that going ahead and just, doing it the way Hackstall is kind of doing it where it's just ride, ride them as long as you can kind of thing. Does that maybe fit better for a playoff series when you are going to just stick with one guy? I mean, I do think that's basically what you have to do in the playoffs. Um, but you want to time it to the point where you're not having somebody tired from having played the last however many games like you said it's a delicate balancing act in the regular season because you're also juggling okay who's my better goalie right now do i sacrifice the chance at a win because you know i want the certain balance that i want to have um uh, it's tough and also because grubauer has missed so much time it's like does that not count right. toward burnout because he's been injured or you know how is the human body going to respond it's it's such a difficult question and i mean one thing we haven't even addressed yet is you might have a third goalie on the roster yes. soon 
you might have Chris Drieger. I mean, and this is a development from practice today that I think we should talk about, um, is that in one net, Martin Jones was getting all the reps, you know, in the near mm -hmm. net. But in the far net at practice today, uh, Chris Drieger got most of the reps uh, instead of Philip Grubauer. And now, of course, that makes sense. This doesn't mean anything for Grubauer. It basically just means he played last night. Right. You want to give him a little bit of a breather. And, and so that makes all the sense in the world. But it does highlight that Chris Drieger is really ramping up. I mean, this mm -hmm. is the most that I have seen him practice and, and get action here. And he came out actually earlier before practice. He was the first goalie on the ice. And he got most of the work in practice in that net, too. So he's really starting to ramp up. And you've got to start thinking about whether it's Ron Francis or Dave Haxtell, mm -hmm. what is going to be the answer here? Because you may have a third goalie to juggle. Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be a really interesting situation. I mean, I know it's it's tough and I'm putting you kind of like in a weird spot here. But do you have any sense of when you think we might see Drieger? Like, do you think the Hayden move of setting him down is to make to free up the roster spot for him? Um, I, I, it's not to free up the roster spot for him right away, because if that's what you're going for, then there's no reason to do it right then. Yeah. You can just keep Hayden on the roster because Drieger hasn't come back. He hasn't been activated. Right. So it's not for that. I think it's mostly protecting Hayden from waivers and, and banking some cap space because with Drieger coming back, cap space is something you're going to have to think about. Mm -hmm. Um, but watching him today in practice he he looks like there's no restrictions basically as far as his movement he's stretching out to make saves he looks like chris Drieger of last season in practice where that hasn't always been the case as he's been kind of easing through mm -hmm. um so he's got to be close i i've got to think he's close i do think there's really no urgency to to have him officially come back before the trade deadline on right. march 2nd so i wouldn't be surprised if he was suddenly healthy march 3rd uh -huh. and activated because then there's no roster size limit right. you don't have to worry about the roster space you know i i'm not suggesting the crack and whatever fudge anything like right. that like you know or any nhl team they'd never oh, fudge yeah, when no. exactly a guy was healthy you know for for roster and cap concerns but uh it wouldn't surprise me if he was ready to go on march 3rd yep and then as you talked about then things become really interesting as far as what dave haxtell wants to do starting the goalies as far as i'm concerned rj as far as i can remember I can't remember a time when an NHL team has tried to go, you know, two, three months having three kind of active goalies on the roster and trying to manage that workload. Like, I, I don't know that there's really precedent for something like that, especially for a team looking to make the playoffs for the first time in franchise history and try to have a good showing there. Right. Anytime you're putting a goalie into this, you're you're in the thick of a playoff race, too. So it's not like you can ease Chris Drieger back into this with yes. some some games of little consequence. These are going to be very, very important games, but, you know, arguably at the time, the most important game the franchise has ever played. Uh, and you're easing Chris Drieger back into it with those games. So it's going to be very difficult to do. And I think ultimately it's going to come down to. Who do you feel more confident in, Martin Jones or, or Chris Drieger? I think Grubauer has taken over as the starter, but now I think the backup job is potentially open here. Yeah. Uh, and Drieger could come in and, and swoop and steal that job away. Really interesting stuff. Can't wait to see um, kind of what the next week may hold for that through practices and all and everything else. Uh, the other big story from this past week that I wanted to talk about, RJ, is Matty Beneers. 
because Matty Veneers has looked really, really, really good, especially these last two games uh, at home in Seattle against the, both the Flyers and the Red Wings. Matty Veneers, it just looks like since he's come back post-All-Star break after the Tyler Myers hit, you know, kind of knocked him out for a couple games there. Um, he, it just looks like every game back, he's gotten more and more confident. He's trying more and more things to the point now where we're seeing him pull off moves that we've never really seen him pull off at the NHL level yet uh, offensively as far as driving the lane, making, you know, getting getting himself put into some isolated positions, making some fantastic reads with his vision and his passing ability. I mean, he is playing out of his mind right now. He's finally starting to pick up some points again, which is great. Hasn't quite gotten the goals yet, although they have to be coming given how well he's playing. Um, I mean, what do you think about Matty Beniers right now? Or, or is he going to just kind of go back on a tear now and kind of wrap up this Calder race, especially now that like a Logan Thompson's iffy injury-wise and been out of the, the equation? It certainly seems like that's where it's headed. And I, I agree with your assessment that he does look different. He looks more confident these last couple games. I mean, you have the narrative of basically Matty Beniers kind of hitting that rookie wall that we all know exists for a lot yep. of players. And then these last couple games, it looks like he's just kind of busted through it now. Maybe took a few attempts to, to get through it, yep. but now he's past it. Um, and he's playing with a lot more confidence, playing uh, with you know a lot more willingness to, to try things and, and a lot more. I think he's seeing the ice better. But you know who would disagree with the two of us? Matty Dave Haxtell. Oh, Dave Haxtell. Okay. That's, yeah, I mean, that's, this a, is, that's an important person if they're going to disagree with us. Definitely. And so I, I kind of want to bring this up to, to discuss, you know, what he had to say about mm -hmm. it, because, um, yeah, I think, you know, I, I certainly trust his hockey mind, you know, better than, than either yeah. of ours. Um, and so I, I kind of want to weigh this idea of, okay, are we wrong or is Dave Haxtell wrong on this? Because we've asked him about this both last night and then, um, today in practice, and he has kind of kept with the same point that basically he's like, I don't see anything different in Matty Benier's game. Nothing has changed about how he's played over this time. He's just kind of kept plugging away. He's been defensively responsible the whole time. Yep. The points haven't always been coming, but that's how it is in this league. It's sometimes it becomes harder to score around this time of year. Sometimes you don't get the bounces and that he's been playing the basically the exact same way, but just now he's starting to kind of get rewarded for that stuff. And if you basically plug at it long enough and keep being strong defensively and keep turning the puck back, you know, yeah. then you will eventually get rewarded. And that's what's happening to him now. So are, is Dave Haxtell wrong or are we wrong? Or I guess the other alternative is, is Dave Haxtell kind of just trying to play down this narrative of the rookie wall and praise his, you know, his rookie center for staying as responsible defensively and, and yeah. kind of preaching that for his team. You know, you can never know what he really thinks privately, but what, what do you think is going on here? That's more so what I feel like is going on there because some of this is, is stuff that we've heard and it's not untrue, right? Like Maddie has played uh, really solid defensively and he's been responsible and all of that stuff's been there. I talked about it last night on the post game after the Red Wings game because we're recording this on Sunday everybody. I know it's coming out Monday for all <laughs> of you but this is Sunday for us right now. Um, we, I remember being there for Maddie's first ever morning skate at CPA and it was clear watching him as a then 19 year old that he just had that extra something something special that it factor that only a certain number of people can have 
and he saw the ice better and he was making plays or even attempting to try to do things just in drills that nobody else on the Seattle Kraken was doing that made me think, oh, okay, this guy's legit and he's going to be ready a lot faster than anybody thought. And oh yeah, he's going to be like the true leader of this team for a long, long time. And so I think for Dave Haxtell, who is seeing him every practice, every morning skate, in and out the building all the time, every day, yeah, him doing that in games doesn't seem like anything crazy because he's been seeing this from him all along through development camps, through everything. He's been seeing this kind of player in Matty Beneers. We haven't necessarily always seen it this consistently or maybe Matty not pushing the issue as strongly in games, but I don't think it's wrong to say like, well, yeah, I mean, he's just kind of, this is just Matty. It's what he's been doing all along because he has been doing it all along in and around the team when Dave Haxtell would be seeing him there. I do want to bring up, though, Dave Haxtell mentions a lot at all different points of the season. Well, it's always, it's a tough time this time of year, or games get tough this time of year. He was saying that back at, like, the end of November. Is that just, like, what he says all year long? It's just, he's, he's like, in July, he's like, you know what? I mean, the hockey season, it really starts here. This is a tough time of year for the guys. <laughs> I, I think you said that or to the effect, you know, basically where it just gets tougher as the season goes on. Yeah. And and but that's something that, yeah, he he does bring up a lot. Basically, it's it's going to get tougher to score, guys. It's going to get tougher to score goals and to put up points. Um, and that's something that, you know, kind of consistently he does preach that, yeah. you know, it's never easy as easy tomorrow as it was yesterday. Uh, if you're trying to score goals in this league, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's that's kind of the, the talking point. But I mean, hey, he did say to us, I think it was at the end of November is so basically once November's over I'm not going to tell you lineup stuff anymore yeah. so I guess December is when it really December really when... starts and really gets tough although he's he's been nice enough with a lot of the lineup stuff since yeah and you know there is definitely something to be said for that as like a message not just for hockey but in general of like looking back at what you've accomplished drawing strength from that understanding then how to tackle future obstacles that come in your way like I, I appreciate that from that perspective but yeah it's just funny because I feel like for months now we've been hearing like well it's it's like it's, it's this is the toughest time of year. <laughs> so this keeps going. It makes me want to, though, go and look up if goal scoring numbers drop as seasons progress. Or, or I know research has been done on this. Yeah, I know. It's it's. I'm just curious as to uh, what it may say, because uh, it's not something I anticipated talking about before we started recording this podcast. I know we could have easily looked this up, but now it's now it's difficult. Yes, to, do, to try to do it on the spot. The bottom line, though, is Matty Beniers looks fantastic. Whether he's breaking through a rookie wall, maybe he's shaking off the injury that he was dealing with there that caused him to miss going to the All-Star game. Matty Beniers is, is back, and he looks fantastic out there. And, and I, he's just, he's such a special player, and he's going to be a part of this Kraken group for a, such a long time, and I'm so happy about it. Yeah, even when you were talking about, you know, the first morning skate, you know, with, with mm -hmm. Veneers once he joined the Kraken and, um, you know, those first few practices and games just gave, gave me warm and fuzzy memories, let me tell you. <laughs> I know, right? It's all good stuff. Um, anything else you want to mention from the, the games this past week, RJ, before we can uh, kind of move forward and start looking ahead to playoffs? Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple things that I, we talked about on post game, but I want to just you know, talk mm -hmm. about a little bit on here. Um, and, and the first one is kind of the, the power play looking a little bit different and Yanni Gord yeah. going net front. Um, and so we talked about this on the last post game, but I, I wanted to kind of give it a little bit more of a, a mm -hmm. thorough review with 
we had been calling for, I forget whether it was last week's podcast, the podcast before, uh, Yanni Gord to kind of move to that net front spot on the power play and just that he's you know, seemed naturally very good there. Yeah. And I, um, and that's something that uh, Dave Haxtell ended up doing, moved him to the yeah. net front on, on the power play unit. And I mean, he's looked fantastic there since he's been there. And so a um, couple days ago uh, at Morning Skate, Haxtell was asked about it and um, the the way that I phrased it on post game was a little bit like kind of dismissive. I was like, well, I was like, yeah, he's looks really good there. And he kind of made it clear that maybe you should have been there a long time ago. Like, yeah, maybe you should have, <laughs> you know, if you're, if, if he's like I said, if you're watching practice and morning skates, like you guys have meaning us, the media, you've seen him out there in front of the net tipping, you know, a hundred, 200 pucks, you know, every single practice, he's right. like, he's that guy. Yeah. Um, and so it made it seem kind of obvious, but after going back, cause I, I want to go back and re-listen to that and see like okay it doesn't really sound that obvious but one thing that that came out to me afterward was that Haxtell was saying that a reason that he didn't have Yanni Gord there and I think this is a legit reason uh in the past is that he was trying to manage his minutes and someone like Yanni Gord who especially in that new line with Tolvin and Bjorkstrand they're actually getting more minutes you know at even strength than than he was getting before in his Mm -hmm. previous role and then also the fact that he kills penalties and he's, he's a very active penalty killer. And also, Haxtell mentioned just how intense he plays, the intensity with which he plays the game. Those minutes probably wear on someone like Yanni Gord. Yeah. Not all minutes are created equal. Yes. Um, you know, Yanni Gord's minutes, he packs a lot more energy into that. So you have to really monitor that and watch his minutes. And so yeah. that was his big concern earlier this season. He's already kind of playing maybe, you know, at the, the limit of what you want him playing. And even though he can contribute there on the power play, it might be kind of stretching him too thin, especially that early in the season when you want someone rested. You got to think about the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that was a legitimate concern. But hey, if you're starting to break that out in the middle of the season, Yep. then you know it's 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 less of a strain on him i think right when you when you start to look at things and it's like all right there's you know 30 games left uh before you start looking at the postseason there uh, i'm looking at the the average time on ice for forwards right now he's third on the team behind wenberg and Jaden schwartz uh so playing uh, at exactly 17 minutes per game on the dot yeah uh, yanni gord <laughs> right now i certainly think he is somebody who's kind of proven in the past or certainly come playoff time that he's capable of handling maybe a little bit more than that if needed uh if the team decides <laughs> that they need it and it's actually down um almost an entire minute and a half from last season for him last year he averaged uh 1829 per game interesting yanni gord so he's, it's actually down pretty significant like that's a big drop a minute and a half for somebody like that so for uh year over year but yeah that is that is an interesting thing and i i understand that as well yeah and and just uh to anybody who's listening to this if you're if you are lucky enough to go to an open crack in practice and you're just watching practice stick around after stretch and watch yanni gore just be in front of the net tipping pucks mm-hmm. you know for a solid 15 minutes after almost every practice it, it's a joy to watch yeah definitely definitely uh, we've mentioned it a couple times now, RJ, uh, whether it was talking about how you handle the, the goalies or minutes uh, when it comes to somebody like Yanni Gord and the, and the Kraken getting back to their winning ways have certainly made this, you know, a more palatable discussion than maybe it would have been last week. But starting to look ahead uh, to the postseason and kind of how things might shake out for the Kraken as they get closer and closer to being there as they continue to win rack up points they're putting themselves into a pretty solid position as far as what they can expect come the end of the year and really what that would be is a postseason berth uh, for the first time in franchise history 
the question though then becomes like how ready do we think they are for it that's been a lot of the discussion around as far as trade deadline what do they need to add should they be adding anything do you just let it ride do you start you know you maybe sell off somebody like a Carson Soucy uh some of those questions have been answered in this past week as we saw Ryan O'Reilly get traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs off the board that was somebody a lot of people were really interested in potentially bringing in sounds like Jonathan Taves will not be moved given the personal statement that he put out so Jonathan Taves kind of off the board that that leaves really nobody else as far as bringing in that kind of like two-way veteran center who's been there done that that everybody was kind of looking for that we all seemingly agreed might be the only thing that they would do as far as making a move so you start looking at okay this Kraken roster, the one that we've been seeing, is going to be the Kraken roster more or less that, that then enters the postseason or, or is going to be battling late into the postseason there. And you had an interesting thought uh, and started looking into some things, RJ. So I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to you about what you know that might look like come mid-April, late April. Right. So... Um... Basically, you know, you're, you're looking at the, the Kraken and preparing for a playoff run and uh, getting practice in, in, in different ways. And um, one thing that that I kind of looked up and, and thought about is, um, well, how have they done recently against potential playoff opponents? Uh, mm-hmm. And it's the Kraken. I realized they haven't had a whole lot of practice against those teams i was basically how this started as i was lying awake in bed at night after a Kraken game i I always have trouble winding down and getting to sleep and i was trying to answer the question okay when was the last time the kraken beat a potential playoff opponent someone who they could see you know in the first couple rounds of the playoffs this year and i i even looked at so i looked it up and i'll even do a wider definition of potential playoff opponent let's talk top 12 team in the west mm-hmm. so like that's arizona and above yeah so that's pretty that's generous. a pretty wide yeah pretty generous and um the last time the kraken beat uh one of those teams top 12 team in the west uh is edmonton january 3rd mm-hmm. so that's a long time ago and i looked at their schedule my like, all right well when's their next opportunity to beat another one and the next chance they're gonna have is March 5th against Colorado. So you're talking about a two month stretch where they will not have beaten a potential playoff opponent. I'm like, okay, well that doesn't tell you a ton. Okay. How many of them have they actually played? Right. And I think it was only four games in that stretch. that They even, even faced off against a potential playoff opponent, a top 12 team in the West. Um, so it wasn't very many, but when you're talking about gearing up for a playoff run, you have to wonder, okay, how much of an indicator is this? Uh, for what the Kraken looked like. And so I, I looked up a few more numbers and we'll see if we can kind of infer anything from them. I'm not necessarily saying, you know, these are going are gonna to tell all, but it's just something I was thinking about. So let's expand to just all teams that are currently in a playoff spot right now. Mm-hmm. So all teams in the NHL that are currently in playoff position. So the Kraken started 11, their season 11-3-1 and against those teams very very good record against some very good teams and you kind of had that really hot streak through november all through there remember they were just running through these great teams Mm -hmm. but since then and this is after that uh, that washington capitals win um earlier in the season they've been 5 10 and 2 against those teams against teams currently in playoff positions so it just felt like something anecdotally that i'm like huh i feel like they've been you know 
haven't been playing as well against higher competition recently. And the numbers do seem to back that up. On the other hand, I mean, they have been taking care of business <laughs> against teams that are not currently in playoff position. They are 13-1-1 in their last 15 against non-playoff teams. So they've been absolutely taking care of business against those teams. But I don't know, it, it does let, leave me wondering, you know, is this maybe a, a bad indicator, a bad omen for the playoffs? Or have they just not been getting the opportunity? Right. It's well, so they're definitely kind of not really getting the opportunity. I <laughs> guess they had one against the Jets and they lost that game in, in the shootout, um, which I guess we could go back and talk about the shootout stuff again if we need to. Uh, but um, it's it's one of those that it's an interesting discussion because I feel like this has almost been a question that we've all been dancing around when it comes to the trade deadline about really how competitive do we think this Kraken team will be, could be come postseason time uh and because it's one of those like you know this feels early especially after everything we experienced last year where the team was not good and they did not win games and we were all like okay you know what that's fine we're gonna build through the draft and and we're gonna do this the right way and all that stuff and then lo and behold it's like oh no we're just gonna kind of perennial perennially be within two points of first place and dancing all around that kind of situation. And here we are looking at a deadline for the first time as potential buyers uh, trying to bolster a playoff effort. And one of the questions that we haven't just straight up addressed is what do we think this team is as a playoff team? If you start looking ahead at the playoffs and you say, okay, this club as is walks into the postseason what are they actually capable of? Are they a cup contender or is this just one of those, you know, hey, congratulations, you graduated to the playoffs a little bit early, but there's still work to be done situations. And I know it's it seems early, but that's, you know, I'm Mr. Way Too Early, so I'm totally fine with having this discussion. I think that it's one of those that, you know, and these num these kind of recent numbers kind of give us that idea of, I think this is a playoff team, but I don't know that it's much more than a maybe winning a first round series playoff team. Yeah, as it is right now, I think I'm with you. It's tough because if the playoffs started in mid-November or, or yeah. early January, I, I really do think, you know, if you start a tournament right then and there, the Kraken are legit cup contenders. I yeah. think they're among the best teams in the league at that point. They would have been very difficult to beat. And this is the, the struggle that you've seen with a lot of teams that maybe do well in the regular season, but fail to get it done in the playoffs. I think they're over the last, you know, four or five years. There are a lot of times where if the playoffs started a month or two months or mm -hmm. three months early the Leafs are looking at a cup final appearance, you know yes. what I mean? Just because they're probably one of the best teams in hockey at that time. It's all about timing it out so you are getting hot at the right moment. It's not something that the Kraken or Kraken fans have had to really uh, contend with or think about a lot, but it's something that certainly growing up following the Sharks, it was something that was on everyone's mind all the time. We know this team is good, but are they going to be hot at the right moment? Um, and so it, it kind of depends there. Um, but looking at this team as it is right now, I, I don't want to take anything away from from mm -hmm. their three recent wins here against you know Detroit, Philly, and Philly. Um, but you look at that Flyers team; they are an it's absolute awful. mess, it's awful. an absolute mess. And so you look at two wins against them, one convincing, one not. And I just I'm tempted to kind of throw that out. You look at Detroit, who was again was very hot coming into yep. that game, but watching that game. 
it seemed like a lot of unforced errors from the Red Wings. I don't think they played their best game, just personal assessment. And, and again, yeah. they're, they're not the most talented team. I just want to see the Kraken go out and prove it. And you look, go back to the Kraken's win before last win before that against Columbus. They're a very bad team. <laughs> yes. Before that Vancouver. I mean, they, you know, I know they've had their issues with Vancouver, but like they're, you know, kind of a bit of a joke. Like, yeah. And, and you have to go back to kind of New Jersey, January 19th for the last win against, you know, a, a team that you can see is okay. They're, they're a good hockey team. You know, they can, they can make you earn it. So I just want to see the crack and, you know, come out and have a convincing win against a good team. Um, I, I, I just want to see that to know that they can, like they've had convincing wins against teams that I think are not the best, mm -hmm. but um yeah, I just I just want to see that. But hey, they'll have an opportunity soon. You know, they yeah. got San Jose next, and I mean the Sharks aren't very good. They may be missing Timo Meyer. Like it could it could yeah. be another one of those. You know, you just have to screw it up in order to not win. But you got Boston coming up. Yep. Uh, you know, at, at home uh, on on Thursday the twenty third. So I mean that's going to be a good measuring stick game. You got Toronto right yep. after. Again, if they can take care of business and just look like they belong against those two, all my concerns with that will be gone. Certainly if they can beat Boston, but. Yeah. I don't know. It's just something that's been in the back of my mind. Yeah. And I think that that's legitimate. I think that that's been something that people have, like I said, we've all been kind of dancing around it, maybe not wanting to bring it up, maybe not wanting to really acknowledge it or have to think about it, but it is at some point, something that has to be discussed and thought about. And I think this point in time, this podcast is the appropriate place to do it. As we do look ahead at games at home against a Boston at, against a Toronto uh, before we'll we'll be doing another one of these and i think that that's you know it, it makes sense to be having the discussion now versus later and i also say all this too with the whole look we didn't think they were going to be a playoff team before this year things happen things change we know that this group is talented we know that this group is deep offensively they can all score goals we know that they can you know have goaltenders like grubauer right now who totally that Grubauer right now is playing like a goaltender that could get you to a conference final. No problem. You know what I mean? Like we've yeah. seen that, like that's the level that Philip Grubauer is playing at right now. Um, anything can kind of happen when you get into situations like that. You look at the offensive output that the defense has been able to give all season long, the defenseman. And, you know, we don't talk about it so much anymore, but it's still been there as, you know, Alexiak just got a goal last night. And we've just gotten used to it as a whole. Yeah, basically. So there's still lots of things about this team that tell me like, oh yeah, I could see this definitely being a second round team. And then they're going to, you know, maybe it's a 50, 50 in the second round sort of situation. But given the way that they have performed recently, going back to the end of January, it, you know, doubts have crept in there. And, and so it's one of those that, hey, even if it's just we bring this up and that throws it out there into the universe or it throws it at the team and then they get motivated to go prove us wrong or the universe is going to prove us wrong, just like when we said this team wasn't going to be a playoff team before the season kind of thing, right? I'm all for it. I'll look like the fool if, if it means the Kraken do really well. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm all on board with, with being in that situation. But it is one of those that I, I just felt like uh, should be brought up. And, and when you told me that you had been thinking about about that i was like yeah you know what this 
this makes sense. I think that I think the time is right to to go ahead and talk about it. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting situation come come playoff time. Um, also, just where they're at as far as not just being hot and wanting to enter the postseason kind of hot and getting hot, um, but also just because of how tight the whole playoff race is for them right now. As far as not just in the division, but potentially then when you start looking at wild cards and everything else, uh, it's going to be a, a journey here for the next couple months and it's going to be an exciting one and I don't want to put like a damper on it at all. We're going to have so much fun going on this journey together. Uh but yeah, it's 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 an interesting situation with this team. That is a team that is, you know, they were trying to build the right way and yet you're here in this spot already. It's it's different. It is for sure, but uh as Dave Haxtell said this morning, get used to it. It's going to be tight going going through the rest of the season, you know, you all better get used to it. Um so that's that's definitely what we have to do and um you know, I'll close by saying I know you can only play the team in front of you. <laughs> I, yes. I I get that. I it's thrown around in college football well, a lot. I feel like I always hear that phrase and and supplies at any sport. Yeah. But yeah, you can only play the team in front of you. Right. And you know what, given the season the Kraken had last year, this is not a bad spot to be in for them in the sense that they're a team that are beating the teams that are clearly worse than them and they're taking care of the business there. And then, you know what, you get, you know, you, you were able to rattle off wins against Toronto and Boston on the road and some other good teams during that stretch. Like you've proven that you can beat those teams before. The question then becomes come playoff time as you're in a seven game series against a team like that. Can you beat them consistently? And that becomes yeah. then the next hurdle and that kind of difference. Um, so right now, the only thing we know about the Kraken is that they they are definitely better than the teams that we know they are better than. No questions there. They can handle them consistently. That's what your your numbers said. Uh, and we know that they can beat good teams. The only question is, how consistently can they beat those good teams? And, and we'll just have to find that out over the rest of this uh, stretch and schedule here. But I'm excited for it. All right. Yeah, I am too. With the last uh, little bit we have here, I don't think that it's it's quite enough time to get into the larger kind of Shane Wright discussion that we were considering. We were we were holding to see if we were going to have time for. <laughs> I think that's going to have to be pushed to next week, everybody. I'm sorry, but just you know, sneak peek to next week. We'll be talking about Shane Wright and and everything involving him and the roster next season. Um, the thing that I want to talk about is the shootout. We've we've. We've danced around that a couple times, talked about it, talked about maybe going back to it. Um, Kraken's record in the shootout this year has not been great, RJ. Uh, and part of that is in the minds of many because they have stuck with the same shootout lineup of Jordan Everly, Ryan Donato, Daniel Sprong. And you look at their success rate this season, and Jordan Everly is the only one to have scored in a shootout this season, and he is 1 for 3. Donato is 0 for 3, Sprong is 0 and 2. So you're talking about a success rate of one out of eight, which is not good considering these are free breakaways against a goaltender, RJ, that you should be able to score on at least 20% of the time. Yeah, no, those numbers are not very good. Um, and it's it's been a problem for the crack and whatever the shootout has come up. Uh, this, this sense of dread, I think we all kind of feel watching it as soon as the overtime buzzer, uh, you know, sounds to end the extra frame. Um, and yeah, they, there hasn't been a whole lot of variation in the shooters. And I think next time, next shootout, whenever that happens, they're pretty mm -hmm. rare. Yeah. Uh, but you've got to think that that some changes are maybe coming. It, it's tough because... 
Ryan Donato, like we, we tend to think of him too as just money in shootouts mm-hmm. and on breakaways. And he's, he's scored so often on breakaways. Um, but you know, Oh, for three this season, it's, it's been difficult. And um, yeah, you know, Daniel Sprong, I, I always think, the earlier season, Daniel Sprong, I kept thinking like, well, he gets a lot of breakaways. I don't know that his conversion rate is all that good. Right. Um, But they kind of moved away from him. Actually, we don't know who the third shooter was going to be be this last time. Yeah. Yeah. This last one, Winnipeg, I think that would have been enlightening to just to know who it was going to be, who it was supposed to be. Um, But yeah, I mean, basically going with those three only, I think maybe they got to change it up. Yeah. And so my, my question is let's go ahead and, and try to, talk this through a little bit because there's all sorts of different things that go into this. It's a unique situation. Like I said, this is a free one-on-one all eyes on you against the goaltender. You don't have to worry about what's going on clockwise. You don't have to worry about guys chasing you down from behind. Like this is a very much just mono mono situation that is, that is unlike anything else that you're expected to do for your job as a hockey player. You know what I mean? Like I, I, very few hockey players, this has been their expected job is to try to win and score consistently and as much as possible in these situations. So there's different strategies and stuff that could be, you know, deployed and used um, when you're focusing on something like this, RJ, do you think that it's, you could just say like, almost like, well, look, Jared McCann leads the team in goal scoring by eight. Like it's not even close right now. Uh, and he can really snipe it. Like we just throw him out first. Like, like, do you think there's something to the idea of just riding with whoever's been scoring for you anyway? Or do you think that you have to kind of go with guys that maybe, are known to have some deeks and make some moves and have that aspect of their game. I know that's been the traditional approach, but I don't know. I think there's something to just, you know, shooters shoot and scorers score. Yeah. I mean, anecdotally, uh, you know, riding with the hot hand, it, you know, it does work sometimes. Sometimes guys are feeling it and sometimes coaches will do that. You know, if a player's got a goal or two in a game, even though he might not be a regular shooter, you'll put him out there again. I, this is all just from kind of, you know, vague memories of know, hundreds of hockey games that I've watched. It feels like that doesn't usually work. Um, I tend to prefer guys who deke over guys who just walk in and shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but because uh, especially the best shootout shooters are the guys who, you know, can deke really well. Right. Um, you know, you see that with like a Jonas Donskoy last season when, you know, he was just on because he had those moves. Um, you know, I always think about guys like, you know, a Patrick Kane who just with the hands or, or we saw Clayton Keller against Tampa the other day uh, where you could just make a goalie look silly because yeah. you've got it on a string. The Kraken don't really have anyone like that. Ryan Donato is probably the closest they have to that. Yeah. And yeah, maybe you do go to someone who can shoot the puck, walk in and shoot it like a Jared McCann and Andre Burakovsky when he's healthy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think could do that. Um, but it's tough because you look at the roster and you don't have a whole lot of guys that can reliably do those no. things. And this is something that I've seen a lot too, because again, I go to every practice. Yep. I go to every morning skate and at a lot of the times they will do, you know, just, breakaway drills like it's going to be a shootout and so i've seen every player on this roster you know take a breakaway take a shootout attempt uh often many times for each one and um you know i've got guys that i think are you know that are good and that will excel they aren't the normal ones necessarily that you, uh-huh. you'd think would be in a shootout but 
Um, I, I don't know. I, I have guys that I would go to, but it would definitely be a controversial take. Well, I was going to say, like, I'm, I'm very curious to hear that from you. I was going to say, I just sorted the team based on shooting percentage, just to kind of go with like my idea of a strategy of like, who are this, the pure snipers, you just throw them out there and they score for you. Starting off the shootout, if we did things my way, just based off of shooting percentage, it would be John Hayden. So I'm starting to wonder if my way is actually that legitimate at all, uh, followed by Shane Wright and then Jared mccann so there we go next game surprise of all john hayden shane wright jared mccann next shootout yep so i guess that's the reason we need john hayden back just in case we go to a shootout we need to throw him out there first set the tone you know what i mean with that 28.6 percent <laughs> shooting percentage uh but why yep. don't you why don't you I'm not working off of all the practice information, all the morning skate information the way you are. Clearly mine may have some flaws. I might need to think out this uh, idea a little bit better. So why don't you go ahead and give us uh, some of the guys that you've noticed? All right. So the, the first guy that I've noticed, I, well, I guess here, I won't go in the order that I that I like. I'll go in reverse order, I guess. But okay. um, Matt, well, no, just because Matty Beniers, like that's who I wanted to see as the third shooter yeah. in the last shootout. And he's someone who does make sense. Yeah. Um, I just think also, you know, he, he's he's pretty good on breakaways. He's, you know, mm -hmm. good, but not great. But also, I don't he's just the intangible. He's a, a big time player. Yeah. He's got ice in his veins. He's one to step up for the moment. He will not get intimidated by yeah. it. Um, I would like to see Matty Beniers. And at a certain point, he's got to be a regular shootout shooter for you. Just thinking long term for the franchise. Yep. This is something that's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I think he's OK. He's not someone who stood, stood out to me a ton in practice, but I think you just have to give him a shot given who he is. Right. Um, but the ones that have stood out to me in practice and I'll OK, I'll just do the one that I, I am most convinced by. It feels like every single shootout competition he scores. He's got sneaky good hands. I, I will lobby for him all day to shoot in a shootout is Will Borgen. Oh, wow. That yes. would, that would definitely Borgen. be unconventional. Borgen for shootout. I'm telling you, he's got sneaky good hands. He can do all the, he can deke, he can shoot. Um, I mean, he just looks like one of the best players in the shootout to me. And I've seen a lot of reps. I, to the point where I even asked him about it, because I think there was one day where he, they were doing a shootout contest. He went three for three. And I said, like, what, like, what's your secret? What do you do? How do you always score in the shootout? Did you like take shootout right. shots when you were younger? You know, how'd this work? And he's like, no, I didn't really, you know, do any of that when I'm younger. I'm, you know, defensive defense kind of thing but he said what i do is i basically just look i watch all the other guys i see the moves that work and that do best and i just try and copy them makes sense. not a bad strategy makes sense yeah <laughs> go for it so will borgen for shootout all day i'll you know i'll, I'll print the t-shirt and wear it i don't care <laughs> will borgen for shootout but it'll ne probably never happen yeah but the, the day that it does if it ever does i i Again, I never cheer in the press box. That's not professional. I don't do it. But man, if he ever gets a shootout attempt, it's going to be hard to stop myself. Now, it would definitely be for sure. Uh, yeah, so now I guess we all have to root for a 13-round-ish cracking shootouts from here on out, everybody. It's just, He's going to pull American League and just end it going between the legs for, for those who get that reference. Um, but the others that, that stood out to me... Um, mm -hmm. I mean, Donato is always good. So like I, I get continuing to put him in the shootouts like he's good in practice. There's a reason he's there. Uh, Morgan Geeky actually is is, is pretty sneaky good. Um, you know, he's he's got some moves. He can also shoot it. He's got a powerful shot. Yeah. Um, 
And and I know some people wanted to see him in the shootout in Winnipeg with his family in attendance. Yes. That's one where like the perfect storm comes together. I would have been all for it. Yeah. And he'd been playing a good game too. Like it wasn't like, oh, he's been having an off night. So it's kind of, you're forcing it uh, at that point. Um, I, I, I'm all for it. Like somebody like him or Tolvanen, just come in, take a clapper. Why not? <laughs> Geeky's case 104 you send in 104 at the goalie just try to go a little high and see what happens you know what i mean goalie's not gonna be ready for that yeah no i it's it's a strategy and it guys have used it you know in the past to great effect um so it'd be interesting to go i, I don't remember the last time that somebody's actually tried doing that in a shootout more of an old school thing to do um see, but hey what, i'd love to see it what you're telling me is that modern day goalies are unprepared for this because they haven't seen it in their careers yet is what you're saying yes that is exactly what that <laughs> means um so th those would be my picks so my dream shootout i go um Let's see. I'll start off with Maddie Beniers, set the tone. Yep. Then I would go uh, Morgan Geeky and then Will Borgen. I, no, no, sorry. Borgen, then Geeky to make sure that Borgen shoots. Okay. All right. You got to have him as that second guy is kind of the anchor there. Yep, so yep. Gotta, there you go. Got to get him in there. Beniers, Borgen, Geeky. Very, very good. Very good. Um, yeah. No notes on that. I, I definitely default to you. Uh, instead of my John Hayden led, <laughs> just pure shooting. Hey, I percentage. like your idea too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> to make it work. Uh, all right, that's gonna do it for this episode of the deep dive. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Queen Anne Beer Hall, for sponsoring this podcast as well as the post game lives. Uh, got an exciting game against the Sharks later today. If you're listening to this when the episode drops <laughs> early in the morning, um, otherwise I'm excited to see how they how they play the Sharks. There, excited for you to finally go up to see what the press box is like in San Jose, an arena I know you are very familiar with, and then the exciting games uh, at home again in Seattle against Boston and Toronto. Can't wait to see how the team looks in those ones like we talked about earlier. But that's going to do it for us, everybody. We will see you all next time. Hey, everyone. Before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash emeraldcityhockey, especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane, Alex, Andrew, Austin H, Austin W, Beef, Ben, Burnt Creme, Chris, Coop, Daryl, DJ, DJ Singletone, Duthin, Eli, Emmy Chan, Gaby, Gary, Harry Legionary, Jay, Joni, Joshua, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, Kyle, Leanne, Lonnie, Maya, Michelle, Nunya, Paige, Paul, Rebecca, Sarah, Scott, Sean, Shoeshine, Striatic, Tasty Kobold, Team YMIAT, Tank Commander Ty, Tyler, and Wendy. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support. <laughs>